Coach, how's, what's the feeling around the team after being able to get a, that big WCC split? Um, I think the guys are hopeful. I think they, I think they feel like we can get a lot better. I, I think, I think they feel urgency to get better. Um, you know, super interesting week because we just got. Uh, it just was hard, right? I mean, you play those three teams back to back to back, and they're really good teams. I was looking at the Big Twelve split today, and and you know, we we so we played three in a row. We played thirty six, one, and thirty five. And if you look the way they're going to break up the. Um, the Big 12 right now, maybe with the North, which we would be in, 36-135 is probably as hard as we'll have in division right now based on the standings, back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. So it's a little kind of slice of how that's going to feel. This is going to be back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back all 18 games. So um, I, think, I think we feel some urge to get better. I think our guys are happy. I think they're proud. I think um, – they're excited and and I think they're really really humble too, so it's a good mix because we got it all in the last three games. We got we got to build our confidence. We got to get really really humbled. We got to um, see our toughness in action again and uh, believe more in our toughness. And we had got a different guys step up and make different plays. So it's kind of what you hope for as you go through the league. And and uh, we're gonna need it all this week. Cause it's gonna be a really really tough week. You mentioned. Uh well, I, I just heard some speculation out there um, about the North team, so I don't know for sure. But just you know, it's just it's fun to prognosticate and speculate, and we use all that stuff to recruit. So we spend a lot of time doing that today. Do you have a preference in terms of how the, the divisions are? I realize we're looking down the road yep. here, but, but do you rather go east-west, north-south? I mean, does, does it matter to you? The most important thing is they work in a division. <laughs> Let's just, I'm happy with that. Let's go. Different guys stepping up this week. Um, Caleb Loner, like how important was it for him personally, just in his growth, to, to have the week he did, and especially down the stretch in the San Francisco game? Yeah, you know, listen, Caleb's a, just such a talented player, and um, and he's got, and one of his talents is his motor. His motor's just off the charts. and. You know, it's funny with all the stuff he did, the thing that everybody wants to talk about is the offensive rebound that he got that seals the game. And, you know, that's just his, the, that is the, that's winning basketball, right? And it's, um, you know, we, we, we might not, you know, Sports Center type top 10 might not be, you know, 10 straight incredible offensive rebounds um, for public consumption, but it sure is for basketball people and winning. And, um, so it was good, really good for him, and you know he's 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 made such a huge contribution to this team from the get go. I mean he 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 affects the game in so many different ways. Um, but it, you know I know he felt good about making some shots, and then he was so huge down the stretch at, uh, at San Francisco. He was unbelievable. What makes Loner such a special rebounder? I mean since day one since he arrived here, he's just had a, a knack for that. Yeah, um, so I mean that, that that last rebound was so great, right? Because he starts, he, he's he's popping out of three point line. He sees the ball go up. He changes direction right away and runs straight from the top of the key, full speed, you know, with all his force and power that he's got. And then he's able to change direction and kind of spring off the ground and, and pursue the ball with two hands and come up with it before it goes out of bounds. And you know, he just uh, he's got a you know offensive rebounding is motor first of all. The crazy thing is, like, we don't think of motor as a talent. Motor is a talent. 
Guys are getting paid 30, 40, 50 million dollar contracts in the NBA because of their motor. Like, you can't buy motor. Motor, I mean, I just said you could buy a motor, and then I said you can't buy a motor. It shows you how smart I am. But, but, but like, motor is like, motor, I don't know if there's something, anything more valuable than motor. And he just got it oozing out of him. And, um, and so, you know, that, that's the first thing that makes you, is just motor and, and just this consistency of going every single time. It's rare that you find a guy that's got a really high percentage of attempts offensive rebounds. What you have is great offensive rebounds, rebounders, because they just get more attempts. So, like, if you look around the country, you probably have, you know, I mean, individually, now it's different than team, but individually, you might have a bunch of players that are like, eh, you know, 15 or 18 or 19% of the time they go to the offensive glass, they actually come up with an offensive rebound, right? But you could have a guy that goes to the offensive glass 10 times, and you could have a guy that goes to the offensive glass 30 times, right? And that's the difference between, you know, seven or eight rebounds and two or three offensive rebounds. And, and so motor and consistency is super important. Obviously, he's, got, he's an incredible athlete. He's got great physicality. He's got a real nose for the ball. Uh, he's special in a lot of ways that way. From a, from a scoring standpoint for him, do you, do you think the next step for him is to kind of trust himself more and be assertive? Or where, where do you kind of see the growth? Uh, I like, for Caleb, I like his decisiveness right now. I, th I thought his decisiveness was, was really functional this weekend. I, I thought, um, you know, he's, um, you know, it's, it's hard. Like, we're a super, super technical offensive team. Like, these guys just have a deluge of stuff going through their brain. It's one of my weaknesses as a coach. I should make it simpler. It's just I'm so I'm so I, I love so much when it functions at a really high level and so I'm like I said it's probably not smart but and he's he's trying to attack this game from the four and he spent a lot of time in the summer at the three and now he spends some time at the five and it's just multiple positions a lot of decision making and a lot of feel and um, so I like his decisiveness right now even when it's the wrong decision I'm like go make a decision let's go and we'll live with it and be decisive and I thought he was pretty decisive this weekend. What's it like to coach a guy like Caleb? It's a joy. It's such a joy. I mean, you know, um, you know, Caleb, just like every player in basketball, has to endure a lot of frustration. It, this is a game of frustration. And, um, but Caleb is like, he's never going to show you a face. Whether things go great or bad, he's running off the floor and dapping up his guys. And he is, um, he's a great, great leader that way, a great leader. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I'm so convinced that his future in this game is so huge because he's just able to absorb a lot of frustration and keep going, right? Where most people, and when I say most people, I'm saying almost everybody, would turn back or change or, or, or vent their frustration or show their frustration or give up, right? Like that's not in Caleb's nature. That's not acceptable to him. And, and um, he's just going to keep pounding this rock, and, and, and he has these breakthroughs, and he's going to keep having them because he's relentless. You, were, you guys were, or are, a couple spots outside of the top 25 this week, but, like, you know, Ken pumps up, went up, and Ned is, is right kind of where it's been the past few weeks. Do you care about the top 25 thing if, if the other metrics are kind of still projecting you to be in a good spot coming into the NCAA tournament time? Um, I do care about top 25 personally. I, I don't know that it makes a lot of difference. I just care about it personally because it's the perception. It's the media public driving perception of the program. So 
it might not be factual and it might be super biased, but I want people to be biased for BYU. I just do. Like, I think that's, it is actually a component of your program. I want people to think about BYU like, no, that's a real program. Like, you know, um, if you see it, there's some, there's some places where the AP Top 25 is so different than the metrics, right? And that's the difference between the numbers by, by the facts and the feeling, right? And so if I had to choose one, I would choose the facts every single time. Right? I would choose the numbers every single time. But I also, like it's important to me that people think about this program the way it really is. And uh, this is a special place, and, and what our guys is doing is really special. And so I do care about the public perception of this team a lot. Um, and, and, you know, the thing is what happens usually is if you keep great at the facts over long periods of time, then you actually change the perception and they start to match up a little bit better. And that's what we're trying to do. We just have to do it consistently. And um, so, so in that sense, yeah, I, I care about it. It's important that, you know, as is, is the leader of this program, we're trying to, you know, think of every, every slice of the program. And one of the slices of the program is how the, the world thinks of us. Does the San Diego matchup kind of feel a little bit like a Conference games that you haven't played them yeah. two years. Yeah. That I was super, super uh, excited for Burge because he's prepared. F this is his fourth or fifth. This will be his fourth scout he's prepared and installed. It'll be the first one we actually get to play a game with San Diego. And so, um, yeah, I mean, we haven't seen them. We know this team. Uh, they're good. Like, they're tied for second place in the league with us. And um, they're really good. And in fact, uh, you know, they have. They've got to three and one without two of their best players. And I think both those guys will be healthy. I think they'll have a full roster. And so this is, I mean, this is a, you know, we're tied for second. Like this is a game and it's going to be everything we can handle. And we're going to have to come out and fight and be tough and be prepared and execute. And, and just, I mean, with the nature of what sports are today, amidst the pandemic, is all systems go for that game. I know San Diego's had some pauses in the past. Is everything good? good yeah, I think so. Everything I've heard, we're good to go. Kind of going off of that, I know you talked about a couple of weeks ago, the league maybe getting you some flexibility if you're canceled on. Uh, have you heard any update on that? Um, no, no, but, you know, I was happy to see the um, – you know, the fact that they're willing to reschedule stuff. So this San Francisco-Gonzaga game is happening. Me, you know, they actually had to, like, take Portland off of San Francisco's schedule when Portland is good to go and actually rebook Portland and LMU and give, and give San Francisco the, the opportunity to go play Gonzaga so they didn't have to do Gonzaga on a three-team week. So I like I like that we're trying to do that. It doesn't do us any favors because Portland gets to sit on us our prep all week, right? And we get a one day prep. But um, I do like the fact that we're trying. I think it's a good thing. So I'm super happy about that. Any update about rescheduling that Portland game that you guys have? Yeah, we haven't got to it yet. Um, I know that we have. I think we'll kind of feel that out as we go. Um, so you know, this Portland team is good. They're, uh, you know. They're doing a nice job. It's a good team. So, you know, we, we, we have them this week, so it would be weird to schedule them again this week for a three-game three, three game week, but we'll figure it out. You mentioned just the sense of urgency this team has, but coming out to the stretch you just had with St. Mary's and Gonzaga and San Francisco, did you have to address with your team anything about avoiding some sort of emotional letdown or anything like that? Yeah, we do that all the time. We address it all the time. I mean, one of the things we talk about all the time is like the next game is, you know, you guys are sick of hearing me say this, but this is, we say it all the time. It's like, you know, 
veterans know that the next game we play is going to be the hardest game we played. And we might, you know, it would be human nature to go through those three teams, especially with two of them on the road, and just want to exhale. But that's not how league works. Um, we've been through this. You know, we, 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 we remember last year, you know, with a, with a solid Pacific team, but certainly not one of the top teams in the league, you know, we had to save our season and save ourselves in overtime. And we remember being at San Diego two years ago and having to save our season with a last-second you know, play, right? And, and these games are always hard. League games are like in-state games. You know, league games, it, for everybody but the Zags, league, states are like, league games are like in-state games. And the fact that it doesn't matter if the team's been good or the team's been bad, it doesn't matter what the pundits say, it's just like up for grabs. Every single game is. And, and I think we understand the reality of that and so we, we're talking about a lot. We talked about it a lot yesterday. We'll talk about it tomorrow. It just is, it's just the nature of the deal. How valuable, uh, we got to see in practice, you know, some five on five with uh, the scout team against the starters. How valuable has it been for guys like Trey Stewart to go up against Alex every single day and the growth they've made since they arrived on campus a few months ago? Yeah, uh, like threefold. One, it's so incredibly valuable for our team to win. Like the fact Trey Stewart is an elite athlete, and he's a he is a he is a he's got a chance to become a like a world class defender, and so he makes us better. Like he makes us better. We, we have I, I promise you, and and I say this, and nobody believes me, but it just is the truth. If if our if our guys on the scout team are not working the way they are, we're not where we are right now as a basketball team. We're not. What are we? Fifteen and four. I promise you we're not. 100% with no doubt we are not as successful as we are if those guys aren't here doing what they do. They win games for us. Trey Stewart wins games for us. Casey Brown wins. Nate Hansen. Jeremy Dowdell's back in the rotation. Poda. They win games for us because they come challenge us every day and force us to get better. They help us get better. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, to this, uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. Not just to see, not just to feel what Alex's body feels like in his quickness, and but to actually watch his decision-making and watch how he operates in the locker room and watch how he functions with the media and watch how he does this. That's kind of how these guys learn. So that's super, super important. I mean, I mean that that is a, that is a massive deal. So these guys are, um, they're unbelievably important in everything we do. I'm telling you, we don't, we don't win without them. Okay. Against San Francisco, uh, ten time this season with ten or more turnovers on offense. What is it about your offense that overcomes turnovers like that every game? I got to be a better coach. I mean, that's just the truth. Like, I'm stretching these guys maybe a little bit too fast and a little bit too far, and and I got to be a better coach. I got to I got to f- pick pick and choose moments where we stretch ourselves um, schematically, and 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 sometimes. Sometimes when you see something like, oh, man, we can go get this, you need to just slow yourself down and be like, hey, just, just, just relax, right? And let's – and um, so part of it is me coaching. Part of it is all the fundamental things we do, like winning catches, which we've actually been really good at winning catches, playing off two feet, getting driving lines, keeping our dribble alive, like all these fundamental things. Um, you know, but winning catches has become a little bit of a defining feature for us. Like we had two uh, dribble handoff turnovers um, – against San Francisco, two that really stood out where it's just like, ah, just win the catch. you got to win the catch. Winning the catch, guys, is, is everything. 
I just one last question about Caleb. I saw Alex had a comment about him saying that they had a conversation where he prepared to speak to say, I want to be the Christian Leitner for, for you. I'm curious if you've heard that. Um, and do you think that's a good comparison, bad comparison? What do you make of that? Um, well, I got all kinds of personal issues with Christian because he banged that shot against the Wildcats, man. I, I, I you know, I, I, yeah, I, I try not to say that name very often. Um, so I don't know. There's been a lot of great players. Could we pick somebody else than the guy that just put a dagger in our heart? It's like that's like you know telling Tyler Hawes that you know that that we want a. What was my guy from St. Mary's who banged the shot here? Delavadova. Del, yeah, the, you know, one of Tyler Hawes' players with his AU team is like, I want to go be Matthew Delavadova. Ty would just start seizing up right there, I think. What was your reaction to the comment Jay Bellis made about Alex? I mean, it's just stating facts, you know. Um, you, I, I mean, in fact, we've just, I mean, we've banged out the numbers a million times. So the the stats the stats that, that declare conclusively that Alex Barcel is the best shooter in the country, like they're everywhere. Uh, just yesterday it was there's only one player in the country over the last three years that shot over 45 percent from the three point line, right? And is there there's got to be a shot minimum to that, but it's probably what. A, there wasn't really a shot. Yeah, we don't even know there might not even be a shot minimum to that. And so I mean you could just go down the list. Like we're gonna start we'll just start digging it up. But I, I was glad that Jay said it because the world should know. Like, watch what he did. I mean, just watch what he did again. The shots he's making, like, are just so difficult right now. And he's done it with such consistency now for three straight years. You know, you have a lot of great shooters where people are like, he's an unbelievable shooter, and he's shooting 34% from the three-point line, right? Because they make some really hard shots, but they're not, you know, and so the really hard shots, it's, it's, a, it's availability bias, right? And so you remember the really hard shots or the, the sports center shots or a game winner shot. And so you're like, that guy's a great shooter. But man, just go back, look at the numbers. I mean, Alex Barcelo is double teamed every single second of every single game. He's the lead scout. Everybody is sending two defenders. Everybody's denying the ball. N nobody is giving him an easy shot. If he gets a catch and shoot, he does get catch and shoot sometimes from 30 feet, right? And, um, and what he's done is just the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, I, th I think it's really hard to debate it, to be honest with you. I think it's hard. So I was, I was really happy about that. Did Alex have a reaction to that? Like, does he know that Jay Bill said that? Yeah, I'm sure he knows. I mean, everybody, you know, social media. But, you know, Alex is – that's one of the special things about Alex is he, you know, he believes that, that the most important – you know, ugh, this guy is so great, right? I mean, how often do you get a team, a guy on a team that believes that the only thing that he cares about for his individual success is that this team wins? Like he believes, he believes, right, that his, like his legacy is this team winning. He believes that his future is this team winning. And so I'm sure he's like, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, uh, it's sure it's nice to hear nice things about yourself, but. You know, what he cares most about is this team winning. It just is. You know, it was, it was really incredible at the San Francisco game. So, you know, Alex carries such a load for us. So I'm trying to buy him a, just a 35-second break or a one-minute break or a 90-second break here and there in the San Francisco game. And Alex, you guys saw it. You saw how hard he's working. He's just getting the living daylights beat out of him every time he touches the ball. And a lot of times when he doesn't have the ball. And I'm trying to buy him 40 seconds, and he's exhausted. He's like, Coach, I'm good. Like, I got to be in this game. I got to, we have to win this game. I got to be in this game. Let's go. 
And um, that's just where he is. It's just for him, it is winning. It is winning is what matters. It's pretty awesome. Is that all? There's one Zoom question. Okay. First of all, Darnell, your hat is so fire. Come on, man, that is money. Uh, yeah, the explanation for the tea. Oh, man. Um, so it, the, the only explanation I got was that it was on the bench. That's super skillful interviewing, just leaving that pregnant pause, trying to get me to say something more. I'm not doing it. I'm incredibly disciplined. Point your finger, Mark. <laughs> okay, um, the other question I had had to do with your senior, seniors in your backcourt. When you make adjustments in the middle of the game, how important is it to have guys like Alex and Tijon who can implement those adjustments? It seems like Tijon's had some good second halves and Alex as well. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it, uh, you know it's it's interesting because you know that's the Darnell that's kind of the link in in coaching that sometimes we forget. It's it's not just what you know as a coach or what you see as a coach or your ideas as a coach. That's like that's actually you know a dime a dozen a little bit. It's like how can you actually put that inside your players where they can actually execute it, right? So it's not just about making an adjustment. It's about considering, is this an adjustment that our guys can make on the fly? Is this an adjustment that a, B, a person A and play, player A and player B can make? How is that adjustment going to uh, uh, you know, uh, affect player C? And so it is an unbelievable luxury to have guys that you're like, yep, I can make an adjustment. I can actually go make this adjustment that we're seeing and feeling and think we might be at the, it might be a good answer for us. I can actually make it because these guys are experienced enough and functional enough to do it. It's a real gift as a coach. It's a gift. Oof. I, I, what I'm saying, it's a gift as a coach to have players that can actually make adjustments. 